0: everybody, 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 drop your buffs. Drop your buffs. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross-Katz. I just got word that fucking at 1.30, I have to go get a wisdom tooth removed.
1: Sean, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And it's a
0: long weekend here. We have Monday off and it's like my fucking long weekend is ruined.
1: <laughs> Wait, so you're literally going to go from this recording? From this recording
0: to get a wisdom tooth pulled.
1: Sean! I know, it's bad. Will you send us a voice memo tomorrow? just <laughs> Checking it, checking it.
0: I wish it was a situation where I was getting them all pulled and I was getting the gas so that I could record a voice memo right after.
1: Right. Oh, so you're it's not like even my winter gassed.
0: predictions. You know that would be funny. No, I'm just right. like a local. It's like freezing. It's freezing, and they're pulling it oh, out.
1: Oh my god. I know.
0: I I I might not be here for. Like this might be the end. We might for me. have to
1: Eliza, we're pulling you back in, girl.
0: You might have to find a new <laughs> permanent co-host. <laughs>
1: wow. okay. well, I wish you the best of luck and I'm that is just I know. rough. Ugh. okay. <laughs> you have to keep this in. <laughs> this is this is our recap.
0: our truly our recap of our lives. Okay. We are here talking about survivor forty two, episode twelve, the penultimate episode of the season. Caterpillar to a Butterfly.
1: And we felt so strongly about it that we were like, you know what? We need a few days to <laughs> yeah. process this before we get on the mic. It was too hot to possibly do a Thursday morning recap.
0: Like, we don't talk. We don't get too in-depth about votes and numbers and vote splits and plurality votes. So, you know, we had we had to take some time to do some math, write some things down in the sand, mm-hmm. uh, a la helen and clay not clay <laughs> oh r.i.p clay from thailand clay, by the way oh my god i mean wow we've lost another survivor uh there's there's been a few we've lost in and uh, recently and i have to say that clay i know thailand people don't love and and i i do personally i mean it's a very problematic season but it, brought us Helen Glover and for that I will always be grateful and of course Clay played a big role in what I think is one of the most iconic moments in Survivor history, Helen Your Glover's favorite. jury speech <laughs> at the end where she doesn't even let Clay to, I think she passes a question to Clay and Clay's like you know what I can't even answer this, you're never going to be like, satisfied. She's like this is my Forget moment. It. Yeah, Yeah, so may Clay rest in peace very sad to lose another Survivor
1: I do think um, at some point, I know I'm always saying throwing ideas, but I think if we ever do a season recap, like a revisit, we should start with season five.
0: Mm, Like do the ones that nobody talks about. Yeah. Cause I feel like it's very us. That's interesting. I like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm good for thought. Cause I feel like five's the
1: first forgotten season.
0: Well, there's so much to it. Like the fake merge, which led to Shean's vote out. And then, right. I mean, Jan's pet cemetery alone could be a whole episode. <laughs>
1: And then season nine, another would be like the second mm. lost season. Yeah. Anyway, we could go on and on. But Fiji. you know, what is not oh, a Fiji. You know, what is not a lost
0: season. Season 42. Yeah. What did you think of the episode?
1: I thought it was exciting. I thought they set it up so nicely by giving Marianne that confessional in the outset where she talks about the fact that Omar's going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And she's like, it's, I got to cut, cut him at the wings. And I just felt like they set it up very, very nicely. And that Marianne arc, you really got to follow it through beat by beat throughout the episode. Um love
0: you yep. and and when there's sort of like at the beginning you have Lindsay who's high off of surviving the do or die and she's kind of like look i've got this amulet so i'm safe tonight everything's going great mike's thrilled he's got his idol back from omer he's like i right. i'm in control of this game i want omer out everybody seems on that train and it's like marianne who's ultimately going to come out victorious on this who i think they weren't even paying attention to for them marianne was a vote and an extra vote and we saw that play out in such spectacular fac- fashion in this episode. So. I thought, And it was as really you brilliant. point
1: out, it's like multiple people are playing the game and strategizing, and you got a lot of people's POV as to how they were seeing their path to the final three in this episode. You got a lot of power players, and that's what made it exciting, where it wasn't just an episode focused on, well, how did Marianne make this incredible vote happen? It was other people who, in their mind, they were leading the charge, and I thought that yeah. was just really masterful.
0: And we talk a lot about how exciting Survivor is when people play from the bottom, and I don't know that Marianne's truly on the bottom, but she's close. And I think she she saw an opportunity with Romeo and with her extra vote. and like that is playing from the bottom. I mean, she pulled she pulled the actual bottom man, Romeo, maybe in more senses than one, and managed to, like, pull off a really, really great, great move when nobody else had the balls to do it, basically. So,
1: Right, and it's also like, how often do these extra votes actually, like, you know, reap any kind of like reward? And I feel like it's just they're very hard to play and have them be mm-hmm. meaningful. And she found that way. And I think if I'm watch, not mistaken, like,
0: I've I've seen or heard that this is the first time an extra vote has actually impacted the outcome.
1: I'm not surprised to hear it because I feel like when I, even I'm, I guess I think conditioned to think when someone gets an extra vote, I'm like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, who cares.
1: Whoopi Goldberg. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, let's get into the recap. As I said, they returned from tribal council and Lindsay's thrilled to have passed the do or die. Omer's giving Mike's idol back immediately, which this is very interesting because of course, in Omer's exit press, it has come out that there is an entire advantage that has been edited out of the show. And that is that Omer found an idol nullifier in like episode three that he has been holding on to. And so I think it was a little bit confusing for me that he's like so eager and willing to give Mike's idol back, like right in that moment, not to at least be like, hey, can we do it tomorrow when nobody's looking, Um, that that he just gives it back. And maybe in retrospect, the fact that he has an idol nullifier tells us, well, he's not too worried about like holding on to an idol because he knows, at least he thinks he knows where all the other idols are. Of course, nobody knows about Marianne's secret hidden idol at this point.
1: What I found so interesting about this admission from Omar is I've seen contracts for other reality shows of this nature, and a big, big part of them is that you are not allowed to talk about the edit, right? It's like that. that is just, it's built into these contracts so that contestants on the show sort of relinquish their right of um, objectivity, you know what I mean? Mm. And so it's interesting that someone like Omar can go out and say, here's the way things happened, and you're watching a manipulated version of reality when we're sort of given this conceit that like this is reality television. You know, this is... Mm -hmm. The cameras capture this. I just find that really interesting.
0: Yeah. I think Survivor's always been quite open to having contestants talk about the edit. I'm sure that there's a... Uh, gray area there where they don't want them to go too hard and rail against the show uh, especially in these interviews where you know CBS is on the line and ready to right. <laughs> interject at any moment but they seem to have quite a bit of freedom considering they don't let them do anything else like live tweet the show
1: right interesting
0: yeah they're not allowed to live tweet the show they are not allowed they are not allowed that to discuss is... the show in public
1: but they're allowed it's a press like, opportunity um, but they can put like promos up on their social media being like tune in tonight, but that's the extent of it. How fascinating, you know what's so funny? That's so backwards. You should Uh want the contestants to live tweet. You should encourage it. You should contractually build it in. Mm -hmm. This is sort of says something about the marketing apparatus of Survivor. It's like, get hip girl.
0: Yeah, they don't get it. The drag race
1: it. girls are like, they are in it to like talk about it and like throw down it and rile up the fans.
0: Totally. And I get the fact that like if you're live tweeting a show like Survivor, you could be offering insight. That you only have twenty twenty and like you know what's coming down the line, but like So be it. Who cares? Right. Who cares? Who cares? Literally as as I understand Ooh. it, and I'm very anti spoilers, as I understand it, the entire boot list and winner has been spoiled for 42. You can go online Great. and you can find that. So And the winner what are we afraid of to let the contestants speak? Is the winner known? I believe so.
1: Oh my god! What if I googled it right now while we're having this? No, I you. wouldn't. Um, I know, right? That'd be like that would be the oh, that would be the end of the podcast. Like, yeah, it would truly. be wisdom teeth slash. Yeah, no, I have no interest in spoilers. <laughs> I never have. Um, but I think that for those that seek them out, if they are available, that is again we've talked about this, but like that is just a different way to watch the show. To mm-hmm. watch a show knowing the winner doesn't ruin it. Um,
0: well, that's I, why I, I love I a rewatch.
1: Yeah. Right? I, exactly. But it's like let them tweet. <laughs>
0: I know. I know. Let them tweet. We'll start a campaign. Yes, yeah, seriously. Okay. Letter writing campaign.
1: Mm, wait, <laughs> that might have to be in today's emoji comment. Yes. Wait, let's just declare it now.
0: Hold on. The pen.
1: Okay. Yeah, the pen. That's great.
0: Like the the hand, the hand writing with a pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The handwriting.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. The handwriting pen.
0: The handwriting pen, which almost doubles mm. as like a tweet. It's like a t- writing a tweet. Right. You know? Let let them tweet. We'll uh, we'll work on a letter <laughs> writing campaign to CBS and Mark Burnett and Jeff Probst. What do you think Mark Burnett's up to? Literally, nothing. He's like Scrooge McDuck rolling in his gold coins <laughs> at I'm Mar-a-Lago. like Going to church in the morning, <laughs> <Mar-a-Lago>. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <sighs> do you, Wait, do you think he's watching 42?
0: Absolutely not.
1: Absolutely not. Why I say would absolutely. he watch it? Why wouldn't he? I think he likes the show. Mm. You think it's I just think like... he's over
0: it. I think he's over it. Out of mind, it. out of sight. He might be like... He might see some of it. I think he probably will see some episodes. I want to see if we can get an answer to that question. I would love to know if he's watching it. It's just that I feel like if he was watching that? it, if he if his title of executive producer was anything more than formality, I think he would talk about Survivor.
1: Mm. Right. Okay. In the so, press. So then that would be, that would count to the argument that he doesn't watch it. I don't know. I think there's a chance. There's if you know chance. the answer, if you know Mark Burnett, ask him. If you
0: know Mark Burnett, we, we, we would back. love to have him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be really interesting. <laughs> yeah, I would love to ask him about that I would contents. love to actually
1: know um, at what point he checked out. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. at what season was it kind of like, I want to be a part of phenomenons and this is no longer a phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Like I want to know the exact moment where things turned.
0: Totally. There's also the guy, oh, I'm going to get the name wrong. I don't know if it's Charlie Parsons who created Survivor. I saw a really interesting interview with him on YouTube recently. And I don't think it was like a recent interview. I think it was from like three or four years ago, but semi-recent considering he created Survivor. And that was really fascinating. it seemed like he still watches, though has absolutely no involvement in the show. Hmm. But to create so I if Survivor. Still,
1: right. And then I wonder if he still enjoys it. Or do you think he sits at the television and it's like,
0: this is not the show that I created. Yeah. Get me in the whiteboard room. <laughs> the garage. Yeah.
1: Get me in the garage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, what twist would he... Yeah. We should talk to Charlie Parsons. I feel like he's easier to reach than Mark Burnett. All right. Yeah. We'll seek him out. And how rich is he?
1: great question and are there still was it are there still residuals yeah
0: or did he just sign did he sell the sell the whole concept
1: i'm gonna guess either way he's very rich
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay okay back to 42 42. so uh, mike (laughs) is on this charge of getting omer out after the Exit of Drea, where I think Drea says, uh, you know, Omer, you're the only one who knew my secret. It kind of like attributed all credit to Omer for this move of hiding the idol and sort of like squashing the knowledge's power advantage and and then leading to Drea's exit, which is obviously was a huge thing for the jury to witness and would give omer a lot of credit in their eyes and so mike's not down with that and he he's just going around to everybody he goes to marianne and talks uh to her about getting omer out because uh, he doesn't think that he can anybody can beat him in the end and she feels the same way and she then tells mike about her extra vote and she's kind of like i have this thing i'm willing to use it we can get omer out at this point and Mike also talks to Jonathan, and Jonathan says, yeah, I'm ready, Taku 4, we're done at this point, we're in the final six, I'm ready to break up with the Taku 4. So everything seems to be going swimmingly, and, and one of my complaints about this episode is that I don't quite know where that shifts, because then, of course, after the immunity challenge, we're going to see that Mike is not so on board with getting Omer out, Right. And it's a little confusing. And I think the only explanation we get is that he's convinced Lindsay might play her amulet for him, which is a legitimate concern, but it's like, so you're not even willing to split the vote really? Right. Yeah.
1: I think what makes Mike such a good survivor player, um, from like the television production standpoint is it's like, there are so many episodes where Mike comes out and he's like, this is my target this is who I'm going for Mm -hmm. and whether it works out or not each time, it's less about the result and more just that like he is playing with very clear objectives week to week, you know who he's gunning for. And I think that that, and the fact that he presents that every week to the audience makes him
0: a compelling character. It makes him a compelling character. I don't know that it makes him good at survivor because Ah,
1: right. Okay. Right, right. Yes, 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 yes.
0: Because every single week his target is in his alliance like, right. since the merge, <laughs> he has been just systematically eliminating all of his allies. And now he's stuck with Jonathan.
1: Right. I am I am approaching it from the standpoint of, like, good as far as, like, a character on television. But, yes, mm-hmm. good at Survivor, not so much. Yeah. He's we'll no see.
0: He, he still could win. That's <laughs> true. It's I don't know. Um, so let's go to the reward challenge uh, where they are. What are they doing? They're spinning around and then they're going on a plank and then they're building a puzzle. Okay, can we talk about the reward from the
1: reward challenge for a moment?
0: Well, I think there's a few things to talk about here, but please go with the reward first. Jeff, and
1: I might have my facts wrong, so I might need you to fact check to me, but I believe that it is, there are two options, chicken Mm -hmm. and veggies Mm -hmm. or chocolate cake and cookies. Mm -hmm. If you choose the chicken and veggies, there are three people allowed to go on the reward. And if it's, am I right? Yeah. Okay. And then if it's the chocolate cake and cookies, there's four people. Yeah. And I guess the idea from that is presenting chocolate and cookies being like the better option or excuse me, that it's, excuse me, excuse me, the opposite, sorry. That the chicken and vegetables is the better option because it's more coveted, right? I feel like if you're going to do this premise, it needs to be more polarizing. So it needs to be like something good for just a few people or something like rice, but for a bunch of people. And I feel like the fact that they made two things that seem rather interchangeable, like I understand chicken has protein, but both seem good to me here. Like both of them are a great reward. And so if you're playing the game, you're gonna bring more people.
0: Yeah, why that's would you, tricky. With, why would you I think there is someone... a way to improve it, but I feel like it's almost like um, it would be chicken and veggies for the whole tribe or you and two other people go stay at a resort and have chicken and veggies. I feel like no one's going to choose that.
1: No one's gonna choose the thing that allows more people to have the reward. It's, you'd be seen like such an asshole.
0: It would have to be not the whole tribe, but maybe like four versus two. Four people get chicken and veggies, two get to go on a resort. That would be like- I just think think that's
1: a huge thing to hold against somebody at final tribal is that like they prioritized themselves in such a way and already won something. I just think that that's, you choose to bring people along. It gets you more. Yeah.
0: I mean, you 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 always see that with the letters from home. It's like you can choose not to have yours and have everybody else get theirs sort of thing. And you always choose the everybody else.
1: Right. Because
0: you got to be selfless. Yeah. I don't even know about Does this have to be a choice? Like, really?
1: Um, I mean, it was definitely like adding something for adding something's sake. But I think that it's effective because I think the... I think Fishback said this on a recent Know It Alls where he was just like, the more choices you have to make, the more interesting the game is. And I would rather a choice than a twist.
0: Right. I get that. I was so disappointed, though, that he picked the chocolate cake because it's so disgusting. It looked disgusting. Ugh. And like hot chocolate
1: cake. Oh.
0: And those I will cookies say, though, from like a bo- like they weren't f- no, fresh cookies. You.
1: But. Maybe like chicken and fries. I just think like veggies of all the things. Yeah. It's like, don't get me wrong. I love some grilled veggies, but I'm starving. Like, give It would me be like, it should fries. be
0: like a, a barbecue.
1: A barbecue. That's great.
0: Love it. Yeah. So gross seeing them eat the cake.
1: Jeff, just like in terms of like presenting it, I think that we really peaked with Applebee's by way of like Jeff's enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've never been able to match
0: that in terms of just, you know, Jeff really selling it. Yeah, well, speaking of Jeff's enthusiasm, obviously, (laughs) Omer wins this. I I do want to point out Marianne being an absolute icon, (laughs) unspooling herself and, like, almost hitting the camera twice. And then trying to un-unspool herself by going the other way. It just made me think that, like,
1: when we finally do get the Marianne fan cam, there's so much to include. So much. Like, you know, so many moments and micro moments that she's given us. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so there's a couple Jeff moments here that we should talk about. One is when they're all building the puzzle and Jeff says, sometimes it's nice to just listen to the sounds of the challenge. Oh. And we get this little God. montage of them like <laughs> building the puzzle and all the puzzle blocks hitting each other. And it's like, first of all, like, Jeff, you didn't need to say that. Second of all, yeah, take your own advice and shut up every now and then. It's yeah. like,
1: allow us to experience the sounds yeah. of the challenge and not the sound of Jeff Propes' voice, <laughs> but what a weird, again, go, yeah. okay, wait, going back to the thing about like survivor making choices, it's like, or contestants having to make choices. I do think like the fact that they, I would rather them keep that weird moment of Jeff, but I guess what I want to know is like, what compelled Jeff Propes in this yeah. moment to totally. like Utter that? And was that plan? Was that improvisation? Like, there's so many questions about that moment.
0: It came off to me as like Jeff is tired and he's like done narrating this stupid puzzle because what are you gonna right. say? Oh, he puts another piece in. Is it right? And it's just 41 seasons in, and he's like, or 42 rather, excuse me, and he's just like, yeah. The sound of the let's challenges. just listen. Let's stop talking and listen. Yeah, and it's like not even like a. It's not a particularly. <clears throat> Aud- audible challenge. Like it's just they're putting no. blocks in a thing. If it was like, um, oh, I don't know what they could do. There's got to be a, a noisy challenge that they could do that so, would be fun.
1: I was going to say, there could have been some sort of montage here where we cut to like all of the variety of sounds that can emerge. Based off of different challenges, so mm-hmm. like, scree- you know, the you know, one where they're calling out for people when mm-hmm. they're blindfolded—it's like that to me has a very distinct sound. Or water challenges where it's like, you know, they're diving into the water or falling off, a, or, the, or the sumo wrestling one and mm-hmm. they're pounding into each other. You know, there's there or are the ones sounds where to challenge.
0: The ones that they haven't done in a very long time, where there's a hunk of meat and they have to chew the meat off—that would be oh, a nice challenge to listen my to. My
1: God, wait. I want to know the last time they did that challenge. That is disgusting. And it's quintessential survivor.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Ugh. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So one other thing to say about Jeff. Oh no. Two other things to say about Jeff. The inspirational speech after Omer wins about Omer's niece being afraid to take risks and like this is an opportunity. This is a lesson to all the eight year olds out there that you can push yourself and do something. I don't know if it's the lesson that they thought it was. And like also, I don't want to like bully a kid, but like she's eight. Bully them. She's eight. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: How, wh- what risks is an eight year old taking?
1: Right. I think sometimes, and this is not unique to Survivor, but, like, we put these mantras on, on things. Like, we're very mantra-based as a society these days and sort of giving people affirmations, but, like, they're often so vague that it's just sort of, like, a one-size-fits-all, and it's, like, sure. Like, yeah, yes to what Jeff, or excuse me, like, yes to what is being said here, um, and, like, okay, like, this is not the Hallmark Channel, right? Like, so it's, like, sort of, like, yeah, yes and, but, like, i don't I don't need that on this show, yeah. And ultimately, ultimately this, this
0: show is <laughs> is about creating it's relationships throat. and then destroying them.. Right. So, like, I don't know that this is the thing that we want to teach our children that this is the way we should move through life,
1: but this is that funny thing. And again, I'm always making drag race and and survivor comparisons, but we've seen both of these shows increasingly reorient them themselves towards a younger demographic. Mm-hmm. Even like the way drag approached, I was, I was watching all stars seven and how no one goes home now. And, and the critiques are overwhelmingly positive, like mm-hmm. 85%, po- 90% positive, 10% negative. If that. compared to the early season, which was very 50, 50, and I think survivors had a similar shift in the fact, again, no more villains and, and examples like this, where it's just like, let's take a moment to, you know, embody Whitney Houston's, I believe the children are our
0: future. Yes, very that. One final thing to say about Jeff is his hair in this challenge. <laughs> Ooh, like, did you see it coming out the back of his hat? No, I don't remember. Oh, it's all stringy and sweaty and like I look, I appreciate Wait, that he was willing to screenshot? try something new with his look. I uh, I'll think about it. Yeah, I will. Oh, I will. Please, I have another please. I have another Jeff screenshot for this episode ready to Great. go, but I'll I'll pull it up. Maybe I can do a sliding. I'll do a sliding post. Mm.
1: Uh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The inside baseball. (laughs) But I appreciate that Jeff was willing to like try something new with his looks. Um, It doesn't sound like you appreciated it. But I just think the long hair era is over and I hope for 43 he comes back. I was going to say refreshed, but I think that's inevitable. But I mean a hair (laughs) refresh.
1: Right. Okay. I'm just, again, it's not sounding to me like appreciation, so much as
0: critique. I, I, I liked that he tried something new. Okay. I liked that he tried something new, and I think it's run its course. It's very, there's room for everybody. Great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's go back to camp. They uh, eat their cake and their cookies. It is Romeo, Mike, Marianne, and Omer on that reward. Lindsay and Jonathan are left out. I think the more interesting thing here is Lindsay and Jonathan trying to like play each other while eating rice. And they're both talking about sending Mike home potentially. And Jonathan actually wants Omer out and Lindsay actually wants Jonathan out. And so they're just like talking nonsense at each other and neither of them believe the other. Um, and I don't know. It's it's really tough for me to understand what Lindsay's relationship Jonathan is because I think we have like a decent sense of the Taku 4 dynamic in terms of you know that Omer seems to be very tight with Lindsay Jonathan I'm just not sure where he fits in and then I think Omer has this connection to Marianne and I think Lindsay has maybe a slightly looser connection to Marianne as we found out that when Marianne found out that Lindsay has an amulet that she had never heard of uh, but where Jonathan fits in in the Taku 4 is a little unclear to me even at this point to see Lindsay and Jonathan day almost day one allies like week one allies um, having this fake conversation with each other. It's like well where right. like do they have common ground do they not are they just like going through the motions together? obviously Lindsay's been gunning for Jonathan for a long time because he's her biggest challenge threat but I thought this was a really interesting scene just to see the two of them together. Mm. It was giving Stephanie and Bobby John. Mm. Okay, so Mike returns to camp after eating his cake and he talks to Lindsay and he's feeling like Omer is gunning for him. So Mike feels on the defense, right? And he believes that he also can't trust Lindsay as a result of this conversation because he's like not feeling her vibe. And because she works so closely with Omer, and if Omer's getting for him, then Lindsay must be too. So then he goes to Jonathan and Marianne and tells them about Lindsay's amulet, which is actually a great piece of ammo for him to have. Uh, which of course is now a full idol because Drea has gone home, the last uh, amulet holder in the game after High, and so Lindsay's got the final amulet, and it's it's an idol with full powers, which we can discuss in a little bit later because I'm not sure that it actually does have full powers and I think that that's why this vote is a little confusing.
1: I was going to say this to me is distinctly where the episode fell off a little bit because even you describing it just now I was like wait huh and like I feel like you're one of the clearest communicators when it comes to this which is to say that like I just think it became very confusing to know d- to discern between what someone was saying and what they actually felt mm. And I feel like it's really important that you, the viewer, even when they're backstabbing someone, have a clear sense of where their head is at, despite the fact, you know, that they might be saying differently. And it just became very confusing. And similarly to what you were saying about um, Jonathan and Lindsay and not really knowing where their heads are at when it comes to one another, I feel like that was rampant throughout the, so many of these conversations. And just so much a lack of clarity around really what was going on that, Despite the fact I think that I think it was a very electric tribal, there was this part felt really bloated to me. It's like mm. let's just get to it.
0: Yeah. well, I mean that's what I'm saying. that's what I said at the top is like Mike is going so hard for Omer here that and of course, yes, he, he's aware of Lindsay's idol and Lindsay's relationship to Omer. but the, the way he just pivots so hard to Romeo after the immunity challenge like to try to go from taking out what he sees as the biggest threat, to taking out what he sees as the absolute lowest non-threat is a weird pivot for me.
1: It's such a strange pivot. There's just no... And also, it's like... I, And maybe this will come out in his exit interview, inevitably, but, like, w- why was that the strategy? Like what, was, yeah. w- like, what was his road to victory via that going after Romeo?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, he also tells uh, Marianne that if she helps him to vote out Omer with her extra vote, he will give his idol to her at the final five. Because and Now, this was also a little confusing. So the amulet expires this round at final six. This is the last time Lindsay can play her amulet, which is now an idol. Okay. Everybody else's idols expire next round at final five. Why there's a discrepancy, I do not know. I suspect that it may be... Because they are trying to avoid an advantage yet in where we could potentially have four idols in play at the final five and somebody having immunity. Potentially, like, in that situation, there's a potential that nobody is able to get votes. Like, that's a big problem.
1: Right. That's giving them a lot of credit to say, like, that that... Do you, do you think that that was really where their heads were at with that?
0: Uh, it's possible. or they, Or they just wanted the amulet storyline to kick in right at post-merge so that they right. could so so there's it's like there's a time crunch like... on getting those people out
1: right it's giving me a little puppet master oh. i feel like again it's sort of like you have this conceit for the game and you have to sort of put them in the jungle or wherever and go and i feel like when you present an order such a concentrated order of when things can be rolled out it just it gets a little bit highly choreographed to me
0: yeah well, it, and if their concern is that there are too many things that that expire at final five, then don't put so many things.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So, so anyways, this we is need a really to get us into deal. the
1: garage, get us to the whiteboard, yeah. is what we're
0: saying. Yeah, I was gonna give me an eraser. <laughs> okay. So, so it's a really interesting deal, I think, that Mike makes here with Marianne. Obviously, she. I mean, hey, she keeps up her end of the bargain on this deal, but Mm -hmm. I think he reneges on this deal. uh, Unspoken reneging, but I think he reneges nonetheless because he ends up not voting for Omer. But he says, hey, if you play your extra vote to help get Omer out, I will play my idol for you at Final Five. Of course, he has no idea that Marianne has her own hidden immunity idol, that she has been smart enough not to blab about, unlike everybody else. And I mean, some of them had no choice with the phrases, but I'm so impressed that Marianne has kept her hidden immunity idol a secret. And I cannot wait for her to absolutely gag them at the next tribal council pulling it out. Like it's going to be so iconic. So anyways, yeah, he makes this deal. Uh, Uh, Marianne had no idea about Lindsay's amulet which Mike tells her about and so I think it starts to raise some flags for her because she's like well wait a second this is like one of my closest allies along with Omer and I don't know this and Mike knows it like what the hell's going on so yeah I think Mike distributing this information about Lindsay's amulet uh, was a really interesting strategy and I'm not even sure that it had the consequences that he intended for it to have no, absolutely because I, not. I think what he was doing was like, well, you know, Lindsay's going to be safe. So like going into the immunity challenge, we know like where things are going to land. Uh, and then, of course, that's going to turn into Lindsay could give it to Omer. But but the consequence it had was that Marianne suddenly became a free agent of sorts. Right. So let's go to the immunity challenge. Where Jeff's still in, he's he's still on in his mood. He's in a mood this week. Uh, not a bad mood, like just a, a mood where he, they're walking in. He's like, still smiling, still smiling. Day 23 of the best worst experience of your life. Like I feel like he's, um, <laughs> the narrative is not clear uh, in Jeff's mind anymore. Where it used to be just like, this is the hardest thing you're ever doing. But now it's, right. now it's the, it's the best and worst experience of your life.
1: Right. And this sort of uh, made me think about the lack of themes we have now where it's like in the beginning it was location based and then we come along with, you know, things like blood versus water, for instance, and now that we're in the era of just naming them by season and they all take place in the same setting and the challenges are the same, I worry for the long game of this series now in terms of how moments like that could be better informed by there being more of a, a template to the season. Um, it's just sort of like, yeah,
0: that's where it's the best, it's the worst. It's like, give me, I want my themes back. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like to, to Jess' credit, he has actually not been saying that this is the hardest season ever. It's true. So that's interesting. Like at least they've cut back on that because if they did Limited that back-to-back back with 41, it would be like, so which is which is it? Right, Which is right. the hardest season ever?
1: And it's interesting, too, in comparing it to 41, how, how much he leaned into, like, the the drop the four, keep the one, but, like, the newness of the era. And that that rhetoric is completely gone this season.
0: Yeah, more or less. I think it's come up once or twice, but, like, more yeah. or less gone. I do wish they had used drop the four, keep the two, because it just would have been so ridiculous that it would have been funny. Yeah.
1: But, but they don't really lean into
0: ridiculous a whole lot. I was
1: going to say, as we've come to, they used to. Yeah. Like when you say Lance, it's like, I think of Shambo immediately and it's like ridiculous used to be a big part of the brand.
0: Yeah. It would be fun if they took a page out of like big brother's book where, you know, if there was some consequence to a challenge where then you have to wear a ridiculous outfit for the next round. Oh, that
1: would be fantastic. Yeah.
0: Especially given the setting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Take it to the whiteboard. <laughs> okay, yeah,
0: we're we'll going to the whiteboard. <laughs> Luckily, I'm erasing some things, so there's going to be room.
1: Yeah, there's plenty of room.
0: Okay, <laughs> so we have a, a we're doing a big obstacle course at the immunity challenge, uh, where they are getting up to a table maze and then playing that game where they have to land two balls into a wobbly table maze. Uh, I don't know. Do we have anything to say about the challenge itself? No. The only thing I have to note is that th- as they're collecting the pieces for the stairs, you know, where the, the the stairs are a puzzle within the challenge, I noticed that they're collecting four pieces at a time as opposed to I think in the past they would do like release release every stair and then just work through which one comes next. Where this is like you get four and those are the next four stairs, which makes that quite easy easy more or less uh without having to deal with like 12 stairs at once and just try to figure it out Uh, i don't know whether i liked it or disliked it i mean like i don't really care about watching people try to fit slats into a stair like that's not very compelling television so like maybe just making it more simple was better television but i like the challenge of having like tons of pieces to try to fit right you could really fall behind in that
1: right it can really separate or someone that was in the lead can
0: really fall back in a moment like that yeah so boring challenge boring challenge so it comes down to Lindsay and jonathan i have to say one comment on the set design here as that (laughs) i don't know if you saw those close-ups of the table maze but i don't know if they were in a rush to paint those from last season (laughs) I didn't see. It was sloppy. It was a sloppy paint job. And I felt mm. like from afar, they look great, but they didn't really consider the close-ups. Mm. So that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I guess they were busy building that huge challenge that we saw a preview for next week, which I'm very excited to have that challenge back. Wow. Me too. Uh, okay. So Lindsay ends up winning in the end. Iconic. Love Lindsay. Challenge beast. I love that Lindsay is ch- out challenge beasting jonathan
1: i love it i don't love it like yes it's the better case scenario if these are my options but it's giving me i think only a, a select number of people will get this reference but emily simpson on the real housewives of orange county it's giving me that or it's like yes but like i think we can elevate and it's like i enjoy the Lindsay jonathan dynamic to a to a degree but i'm kind of just like Neither of them are that compelling to me as characters. So yes, if Lindsay can come out on top and a Lindsay versus Jonathan works, slay, et cetera. But I also think like either there are better, there are better, you know, plot lines to follow.
0: I did think it would be so iconic if when Marianne got to the top last and they were still struggling to land their second ball. So I was like, Maybe Oh, Marianne's that going to be... come out and like win this. Yes. Like that would have been truly iconic. But I'm happy While for While I'm Lindsay. thinking about,
1: I'm happy for Lindsay. While well, I'm thinking about Slay real quick, maybe we were going to talk about this, but just in case I, so just so I don't forget. You know how we're talking about, wait, you might have said, no, you mentioned this on your Twitter about how gorgeous Drea looked yeah. at Tribal. That, because we said Slay, and then I was thinking of Slay. She hit the Slay button. This. She hit the sleigh button. Yeah, she looked, she looked so
0: incredible. Good, snap.
1: Someone made this comparison on Twitter, but she was giving taste from RuPaul's Drag Race UK. Mm. Like, oh my god, work.
0: Yeah, she looked so
1: good. She took a dip in Mother Lake.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> I could use a dip in Mother Lake. <laughs> Jeff could use a dip in Mother <laughs> Wait,
1: Can I just say, of all the dumb gay phrases that have emerged, that is like, that's one that's always gonna get me.
0: That one, I truly didn't even know until like this week when you were Instagramming about it. And some, what, did somebody comment, what is Mother like or where is Mother Like?
1: Yeah, because there's this whole, if, if anyone out there that's curious, if you just go on Twitter and type in Mother Like, you will see. <laughs> So many tweets and like a lot of them are hits. They're just, it's a very funny, it makes no sense. And it's kind of, if you know, you know, but there's really not nothing to know. It's just right. this phrase that's going around. I, <laughs> I don't really know, but that. I really like it. And Drea took a dip in Mother Lake.
0: Yeah. Wouldn't it be fun if we had like a gay on Survivor who could bring a gay vernacular to the show where like the, the merge tribe could be like Mother Lake tribe
1: like, oh wouldn't that God. be fun?
0: That would be leaning well, into the ridiculousness, you know, like, totally. that would be fun.
1: That's like, you know how they say that, like, each contestant is like kind of a, assigned a producer, essentially? It's like, you would need to make sure that, like, whoever that contestant was, was assigned a producer who also spoke the language that mm. could, like, vouch for, like, the narrative going forward. But yeah, oh my God, that would be extremely fun. Yeah, okay (laughs) I mean also we've talked about this
0: but the all LGBTQ plus season Mm -hmm. of survivor would also Mm be a select like put it on logo I don't care I don't even care if it's not a real season give logo a show or why don't we just make a spinoff
1: yeah well it's like sort of like do what beyond the edge was attempting to Mm -hmm. do but do it correctly and call it and gay and gay
0: yeah okay we'll think about this I'll work I'll put on I'll work on the pitch so Lindsay's rallying votes for Jonathan and telling Jonathan that it's Mike and Romeo suggests splitting the vote and Lindsay says that they don't need to here. And I think that's just like, so this is like a bit of a knock against Lindsay and I really like Lindsay and I think she's been playing a really good game, but I think she's gotten really comfortable in this Taku 4 situation uh, with, particularly with Omar and just sort of like taking for granted that they have Marianne and Romeo as like a whatever throwaway vote. And so I just feel like this was actually a really smart idea from Romeo to split the vote because not only do we have all these potential idols in play, but we also have the last round of The Shot in the Dark, which, by the way, another huge flop season for The Shot in the Dark. Like, I mean, I feel like this was
1: on? her last hurrah. But yeah. it's like her last hurrah and there was never a hurrah.
0: Mm-hmm. So anyways, I just think like Lindsay dismissing Romeo's suggestion of splitting the vote was i think was a little bit of a bad bad plan i was just gonna say
1: one thing is you know how like the chocolate bar twist on drag race Mm -hmm. and how it was like at some point someone will get the gold bar. I feel like with this, the design of the shot in the dark, there had to be a way in which like it would be played. It yeah. was a matter of when, not yeah. if. And I think that was the huge like fuck up, which is that like we, we've we never gotten to see it used. So what what good is that?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I don't know that the like, I, I don't even know that I need it, but no, I definitely there's definitely a it. way to improve it. And I think that way is like we've discussed before is that we, they, we don't return not safe scrolls to the bag yeah so that it becomes a one in four chance one in three chance one in two chance yeah. I, I think that would make it a lot more exciting but alas okay look at us we're like i just we have a bunch of notes so we've got yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we love the show we love the show
0: we love the show it's like what we've said before you, you 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 criticize most strongly the things that you love most totally i think that's the best way to consume the things that you love
1: Especially like we're gay. So I feel like that's yeah. our contribution.
0: Yeah. Look, we we've, we have a lot of trauma. We've been bullied our whole lives. Totally. Let us bully Jeff Probst in CBS for one one hour a week. Okay. One hour a week. Or maybe an hour 20. Okay. So, <laughs> so what else is going on here? Lindsay doesn't want to play her idol because she's afraid it might go back into circulation. Which again, I think like that is a very conservative approach to the idol play and i get where she's coming from but i also just think this is an amulet it's not an idol i would if i was a player i would see that as a clear difference i also understand that nobody knows marianne has this hidden immunity idol that she found that did you know did go back into circulation from one of the, uh, the wacky phrase idols that they found the beware idols so I imagine that there is a little bit of hesitation around like, why haven't we seen another idol reenter the game? This is a little strange. I'm a little nervous about this. And if I play mine, maybe it's going to go back in. But I just think like, I don't know about this call that I don't want to play it because it might come back at final five and somebody might find it. I just don't see it for the amulet. So it's like, again, it's like there's two things that Lindsay here I did hear that i didn't love and that's shutting down romeo's idea to split the vote and then deciding not to play her idol for fear that it might come back into the game
1: and it's like if you look at survivor history playing an idol wrong like or like you know when you don't need to use it it's like it's worth trying and even if you get it wrong you'll make good television by getting it wrong it's like When it comes to Survivor, and this is so obvious, it feels weird to even say, but it's like, if you're given an option to do something or not to do something, for instance, the hourglass, you know, it's like, you have to do the thing. Because there's a reality television camera filming you, and it's way more fun to see what's behind the door than to keep the door closed. That will always be the case. So I think that it's just strange watching someone actively choose to, like, not make good television is the way I see it.
0: Yeah, I and I I get that. I also get from her perspective that I think in her situation where I don't think that people in the game see her as a big threat, even though I think she is kind of a big threat given, you know, her relationship with Omer. I think all that attention has gone on to Omer. But I think in a final three, if she got there, she would have to do a little bit extra work to convince them of the game that she played. And I do think that by not playing the amulet and not having to play the amulet, which wasn't even the case, but I'm trying to put myself in her mindset at this point that we're talking about that if she had not played the amulet and as far as she knows, only two other people know about it. And that's Omar and Mike, that's not also not the case in reality, but that she could go to a final three and say, I had this secret advantage I got on day one, moments after getting onto the beach. I kept it a secret except for my close allies. And then when the opportunity came to use it, I I was so confident and so controlling of that vote that I didn't have to use it. And here it is. And isn't isn't that a testament to my gameplay? I think that that's the path she was taking. Unfortunately, it completely went up in flames for her.
1: But that strategy, even if it would have been successful, like if she were to present that is very much like my response to hearing that is golf claps. And it's like, this is Survivor. You Mm -hmm. want like raucous applause. You want a standing ovation. You want gasps. And to me, it's just like, that's not the way that you play the game as it exists today. It is about big flashy moves. Yeah. The I other thing, the other
0: thing is in in her defense is that I did listen to. You are defending Lindsay. Well, I just I'm just trying to no. be trying to be fair. I did listen to Omer's exit interview, and uh, there was discussion around why Lindsay didn't play the amulet, and I think he, what he said was. One, we really didn't feel we needed to. And two, if we had and we didn't need to, then we're in a situation where there's a final five. They see that we are so tight that she actually played this like cool tool on me. And now it's three against two. Two. So, mm. but ultimately, I think like uh, to play it is like you can still go to the final three and be like, In order to really protect one of my only paths to the end, I played this tool on my friend, my ally, to ensure that he was staying in the game, even if he wasn't going to get the votes to go home. And how much more incredible would it have been if she played it and he did have the votes to go home, like he did in this episode. Right. So ultimately, ultimately a misplay, but I think I can understand her reasoning. OK, but let's talk about where the where the real drama kicks in, because Marianne is still keen on getting Omer out at this point, even though everybody else has moved on, because Mike has moved on to targeting Romeo. Basically, Mike and Jonathan are on Romeo. Omer and Lindsay are on Jonathan. And Marianne's over there being like, I still want Omer out. And so she goes and talks to Mike and she tells him to tell Jonathan to vote for Omer because presumably he also wants him out because he had been talking about that the day before. And then Mike is basically like, look, I'm off the Omer plan because I know that Jonathan's voting for Romeo for whatever reason. Like what kind of threat is Romeo to Jonathan? I don't know. And then he's like, look, we can just take this easy path. Romeo's an easy easy one to cut. Nobody's going to be pissed off and then we can just play Final Five and he doesn't want to risk voting for omer also because of uh, Lindsay's amulet and so he's really digging in his heels and he's basically like this isn't happening marianne and so marianne comes up with this brilliant plan i think to go to romeo the person that people have been completely ignoring since the merge like treating like a, a a pest in the camp, essentially, who's never voting the right way. He is never brought into the vote. He's n- barely brought into social situations because he's just hanging around the pot, eating rice. And she goes to this person who's the target of the vote, of, of one of the plans, and says, look, let's do it. Let's get Omer out. We have the numbers because we got two, two voting on Jonathan, two voting on you. And if we to vote for omer i will use my extra vote and it's done and i just think that this was so brilliant to use romeo in this way to to recognize his position in the tribe that he really has no other choice because otherwise likely he's going home and it's just it was just brilliant and to and to be able to hang on to the extra vote to this point which she never really needed and then have it come out in such an amazing way to create this plurality vote where um where the minority have the majority of votes and get out a huge target. It's just incredible. Like, I, I am so thrilled with this vote from Marianne.
1: And how fun from an edit perspective that it's, like, she teamed up with her fellow underdog to do mm-hmm. it. It was very much, she, again, to go to, like, the seat metaphor that's really big this season, she was very clearly in the driver's seat. Um, but it was validating because I, I think otherwise, Romeo sort of is the person without any story in the season and though I don't think he has a path to win I at least feel like he was like implicated in an important way in this episode to become someone who is I don't, redemption's not the word but like if you cut between like the scene of him eating that rice all alone I think it was in the last episode yeah. or the one before to this this is like he's on
0: the upswing yeah totally totally and I love it and it's like a great great ally for Marianne to have because Like the fact that people are targeting Romeo at this point, the biggest goat in the game who is like has no respect from the jury, presumably, and is going to get no votes. And they want to take him out at final six. Like it makes no sense. And I mean, I love to see strong players go to the end and I'd love to see a final three where they all have a shot. But if I'm in the game, uh, that I am never taking that risk. I'm not making the Colby Donaldson mistake, the Woo mistake. Like you are going to drag Romeo to the end and here's Marianne, the only person that's kind of willing to work with him as like a an actual ally right. where his voice matters too, create that bond and then you have like a secure spot with him potentially in the end. Who
1: did Wu take out that would uh, have gotten him the win? It was Cass. Oh, interesting.
0: Okay, well, let's go to tribal council where Jeff is making horror movie faces and this is the screenshot that i previously referred to (laughs) where he's he's like in a goofy mood i don't know if he's uh i'm not gonna speculate he's in a goofy mood and he's at 110 tonight in this whole round i think do you think he's kind of like
1: thinking because they're about to wrap 42 he knows this is like only a couple more days to go he's heading back to the states you know 48 hours however long is left He just wrapped two seasons back to back. He knows he gets a prolonged break. Do you think he's just starting to like feel the anticipation of like his time off?
0: Yeah. It's very like 2 p.m. on a Friday afternoon of a long weekend. Yeah. Totally. It's that. And also, I think probably, I think he's feeling really good about the season. And so I think he's loosening up and having a little bit of fun with it. So that's fun. Okay. Well, what else do we have here at this tribal? Uh, Omer's feeling survivor confident about the vote tonight, a phrase that I don't think actually makes sense. Um, <laughs> Lindsay and Marianne talk about why it's impossible to do a clean sweep now with the shot in the dark, which I think is really interesting considering Lindsay's, uh, Lindsay not wanting to go with a, a vote split plan. But presumably she knows that She must know that Jonathan is going for Romeo. And so I guess in that situation, it's like, well, you know, if one of them plays the shot in the dark, then it's either Jonathan or Romeo going home. And like, I'm fine with that either way. Having no idea this plan of Mary Ann's and Romeo's so interesting i wish that we had seen if this is the end of the shot in the dark i wish that there was more conversation about it in the strategy because there, there has been some and i think we saw remember high trying to make jonathan feel comfortable so that he wouldn't play his shot in the dark when actually high was going home that night uh, so we do see it occasionally but it's like i'd like to hear that more in a vote split Conversation because I don't think we've heard that a whole lot. And that's actually really interesting because you could do some really interesting splits in the event of, of a, a shot in the dark being played. But alas. So it's time to vote. Uh, shockingly to me, there were no advantages played. Really thought Lindsay might pull out her amulet here or that somebody might have played their shot in the dark, but that wasn't the case. And so we have two votes on Jonathan, two votes on Romeo, and a surprise three votes on Omer with Marianne casting her extra vote. So who was the second vote on
1: Jonathan besides Lindsay? Omer. Omer.
0: Yeah. So Lindsay and Omer voted for Jonathan. Mike and Jonathan voted for Romeo. Got it, got it, got it. And Marianne and Romeo voted for Omer.
1: Massive Oh, wait, we have to talk about briefly just the really, really great moment. Um, So Omer turns to Marianne, I think it's about Mm. right before the final vote and says, is it you did it? And then she says, I did it. Yeah. Is it that correct? Yeah. Was it you it's or something? Just, and she was like, Yeah. I yeah. Did it. it was me. Yeah. It, um, It was just such a great moment of like, not only has Marion come into her power, but she's like owning said power. Oh, yeah. I have it up. She, uh, yeah. So Omer says, You did it. And she says, I did with a big smile on her yeah. face. And it's just sort of this moment. It's really quite a lovely moment of like, Omer acknowledging that someone that he's been with from the very beginning um, pulled pulled one on him and, and he is, rec- it's like game recognizing game and it's just yeah. really validating and you see Marianne's delight at, I think she surprised herself in being able to pull this off and that's a wonderful thing. Because, like, one, I mean, there's so many great things about Marianne, but she's not cocky. It's more like she knows what she has to do, but it's always a risk, right? It's survivor risky. Um, And I feel like Marianne just really, it was fun watching her delight in her own success.
0: Yeah, Yeah. totally. And I thought it was, like, a a quite a bold thing for Omer to do in front of the jury because he inadvertently gave Marianne the credit in front of the jury. It, It was such a great moment, and... So, I thought that that was really, really fascinating. And good for Marianne to get that credit. So, okay. Okay, well, Omer, farewell to, I think, a really great player. Like, I think, bring Omer back. Such a surprise that he was so strategically strong. He played such a great, great game. And
1: can I yeah? can I give another piece of credit to Omer too? at the very beginning of this episode when he was sort of talking about his intention of splitting up Jonathan and Mike the way he presented that strategy I thought was so smart which was I'm part of a threesome essentially I'm going to separate the other two within it but I'm not deciding which one I'm loyal to just yet he was willing to go with either of them. A lot of people would say when there's a threesome, they're like, I- I'm going to, me and so and so are going to split split off and let go of this third one. But Omar was so fluid and sort of being like, let me sort of see what planting this seed, like what it grows into. And at that point, I'll decide. And I think that really is like very, very masterful gameplay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, uh, again, in his exit interview, he talked about his relationship with Marianne and something we did not see is that of course they are both Canadian. They're both from Ontario and they had, uh, What they called a Canada Goose Alliance, where their plan was to migrate to the final three, it was a whole thing. And I like really am sad that we didn't see that because Mm. I think that now that they've started casting Canadians, and especially that we had a Canadian winner in season forty-one and a Canadian all-star from season forty-one, being Shan, that this time we have Marianne and we have Omer and we had Drea, like arguably three of the biggest stars from this season. It's like I wish that they would lean into a little bit the fact that they're uh, casting Canadians and they might have a bond with one another i think it's really a shame to not explore that because we have seen so many times in survivor pass like oh you're from boston and i'm from boston like that's such a great connection like we're gonna be friends right. um, it would just be really really nice to have that and and to, i'm very curious what the american reaction to that would be uh in the fan community because i would love to see it and i would love for us canadians to get some credit because we've had such iconic players in the past two seasons and it's the first two seasons that we've been on the show Right,
1: and Justice I will say,
0: I don't know if anybody's following casting leaks, but the season 43 cast, which is still filming, has been fully leaked, and not a Canadian in sight.
1: Oh, so are there queers?
0: A lot of people are scared. Mm. Uh, queers? I haven't. I haven't done that deep of a dive into mm. it. I just checked just the locations and the ages. It's a young cast. <sighs> And it's 26 days.
1: Oh my God, Sean. I know.
0: I know. know. Are you serious? We tried. So, oh my God. I know. I'm done with this show. Well, I'll be hosting a reality show to replace Evan as my new co-host. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So long. Okay. Anything else we need to talk about here? Oh, Jeff casually saying that you'll be starting at a new camp remember last season he made such a big deal about and and this isn't it and we have got one final twist for you you are not returning to camp you're starting on a new island and this time i mean for the sake of the audience it's just it's just a nothing it's just an assumed what it comes off as so strange to these people to to watch him say that to these people and they have no reaction right (laughs) because it's such a drastic change for them
1: I also think it's weird how like they make this such a part of the the end. Now it's like you're starting over essentially, but they never show us that. Like they never, they would never do like a segment around building a new shelter in the finale. Well, these so days. I don't
0: think to, to be fair, I don't think that forty one built a new shelter. I think we saw them was just, just like, sleeping on the ground. It was like we have two days left. Like we're not building. But a
1: shelter. that sort of underlines how much easier the show has gotten. Then to me,
0: hmm. I don't know that
1: that isn't easy. the whole goal of going to a new beach that you sort of have to start over and starting over means building a new it's like, I don't know, to me, it's sort of, well, like- I just think
0: that I think the conceit doesn't make sense. It's like when you go to exile, you don't build a shelter in most cases, unless it's raining, you're not going to build a shelter. Right. Cause why waste all that energy to build this thing that you're just going to sleep in and then leave and never see again. So it's like same idea goes that it's like, well, we'll sleep on the beach. It's going to suck. But like we're sleeping on the beach because why right. we're not going to go cut down trees. Especially when we've got this, like, advantage clue that we now have to, like, do a puzzle and then run around the island. There's no time. So in a 39-day season, maybe where they have, like, a three-day round, two three-day rounds left, it would be... They probably would. But when they have two days to spend out there, eh, I don't think it makes a difference. Okay. We have a voice memo that I would like to play that is uh, not so related specifically to this episode, but I think is related to our conversation. So let's hear
1: this hi y'all it's alexa from seattle so caught up on the new drag race all-stars last night and not only am i thrilled for it to be like the first actually good season of drag race but in what it feels like is quite some time i am dying to know (laughs) how you feel about alliances being talked about and having the words "drag race survivor" literally come out of Monet Exchange's mouth, so dying to talk about it, dying to hear your thoughts.
0: Thanks, love you guys. Was that a baby? I don't know if it was a baby or a cat. I think it might have been a baby.
1: Okay, I am too. Am dying to talk about this. Have you watched Drag Race All Stars Seven episodes one and two yet? I have. You have. You have. Okay, great. Thoughts. I. I know. I know. I'm gonna make this go so long. Sorry.
0: I. What liked do you have to it. leave? Uh, yeah, I am getting a wisdom tooth removed okay, sorry. Okay. in twenty five <laughs> <Okay>. minutes. So, <laughs> no, no, no. But I have, I do have thoughts uh, because I, I, think like I'm uh, one. Uh, uh, where do I start? Uh, it's giving a lot of winners at war flashbacks to me because I'm disappointed in the cast. I have to be completely honest. I think to not have certain people like Bianca Del Rio, to not have Trixie Mattel, um, to not have who else is a winner that I like Bob, this, Alaska. You know, like like a huge, huge stars, a sash of allure that people really associate Violet. with this show back for Winners at War. <laughs> just called Winners at War. For All Stars, All Winners, whatever. Um, it, it just is like a I think it's a weird choice, but I do like the people that they have there. I think it is a dynamic has. They're fun to talk they're some fun to watch talk to each other and interact. I think it's way too friendly. I think it's far too friendly at this point. I think the judging is way too nice, as you've said, and I can feel, I can see in the edit where they've cut out negative comments. And I know that they've always been quite kind to their winners, which is nice, but we're in a competition now for the ultimate winner. So like, let's mm. get it together. The non-elimination, I think, is psychotic. This is a competition show. This is a reality competition show. And I think this complicated system of winning repeater badges, to get to perform in some kind of showdown at the end, I think is like a very convoluted thing to like keep track of. And then that you get people who can win, but not get a badge. I think it's all like it was giving me very drop the four, keep the one overly complicated.
1: Well, also not all of these girls are lip sync girls. And so I feel like by making the, Ultimately, it's about the final four that get to the final lip sync, and it's like you. Raja has a reaction to that. Actually, if you if you pause the screen and just because it's a wide shot, if you watch Raja, she's like, oh fuck. Well, that's not that's not going to be good for me. Um, quickly, I'll say. Ninety minutes, let's pare down to sixty. I feel like ninety mm. minute episodes of Drag Race are unnecessary Long. and yeah, they just feel it, it's it it's a commitment. Um but I did just want to say ninety it's minutes so without
0: it's 90 minutes without untucked. Like it's not right. like it's like the format where I right, untucked right, right, is right.
1: No, out. yeah. Just it's a little too luxurious. And uh it's just so surprising not to see BB there. Like I just feel like the original winner mm. I get the impression that she's around and available. Um, So that's odd to me, but I also wanted to point out that I feel like there's a parallel here with Survivor in the sense that Survivor cannot have Richard Hatchback for Winners at War and Drag Race has a similar situation with two of their queens, Tyra Sanchez from season two and Sharon Mm -hmm. Needles from season four, in that I feel like to properly do, I like wanna see older queens from the series in the Mm -hmm. same way I am with Winners at War and I feel like this show in particular has some issues with, you know, around two of its early queens. So, um, but how am I feeling about uh, Monet exchange sort of mentioning uh, bringing Survivor into it? It's so exciting. It doesn't feel entirely real. It does feel a little bit, um, because this entire season feels like it was done with a with a wink and a nod in sort of like, love is love. Um, you know, like uh, we're all one happy family. Mm-hmm. This is, we have, you know, you mentioned uh, the lack of elimination. It's like, well, this is no longer a competition show. Mm-hmm. This is, we are in the RuPaul's best friend race era and they're leaning into that. But to, um, to be
0: fair, All Stars has not been a competition show in a very long time because it, it did actually, it actually did become Survivor where you voted right, people Right, at. right,
1: right, Although. No one was really playing with like the strategic acumen of, of Survivor, but yes, it did. Now, uh, what's interesting about this? I think is they like, did in
0: in UK versus the world.
1: Yeah, but it was just only six weeks, but yes, 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 they did. It was just so short you didn't really get to see like yeah. a long game strategy play out. But yeah, you know, you're totally right. That's kind of what made it such good television. I am curious how they're going to handle the judges' feedback week to week when all eight of them are going to stay <laughs> and. There's just not much to say. Like, the yeah. the if you zero in on the criticisms this week, they were all so vague, you know? Yeah. It was like, you're doing the thing that you do, and when you do it, it is iconic. And it's like, okay. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, and also, I feel like because of the veneer of niceness, they couldn't, they couldn't really. There were times where, like, they wouldn't even comment on someone's yeah. snatch game, like at all. And it was like, yeah. okay, well, clearly something was said about this. Or you or could you... read between the lines where they said,
0: right. "Who who did the who did the like YouTuber Instagrammer character?"
1: Uh, was that Evie Rico Nasty?
0: No, 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 no. The one that eats Who's Rico the chips. Nasty?
1: Oh, that was Shay.
0: Oh, okay. So when they were when they were giving Shay critiques, and Ross, I think, said like there was so much you could have done, but it's like that was cut up with like, oh, this is everything was so great and there was so much you could have done. And it's like, yeah, well, it's like, no, no, no. The longer statement done? there is there was so much you could have done that you didn't do. Yeah, right. And like, why there's do we not, have cut so that? much that you did. Why do we have to cut that? Like, l- right. let's be real.
1: Right. But that said, I do just want to say before we turn this into a full-on uh, Drag Race podcast, I was thorough, like there were multiple moments of this episode that I absolutely loved. And this was like, This felt so fresh. I am with you as far as this is not the cast that I wanted. I think that there are several queens that I didn't need back and several queens I absolutely needed back that are not there. But given that this is, you know, the dinner that's been put on the plate, I am, like, happily eating it. It's delicious and it's a lot better of a meal than I think I expected. And I am, like, super energy. It's like there's something about seeing Raja and Jinx doing Drag Race. I thought that Deanna Vreeland, like, just the still image alone, I'm like, Raja and Jinx are next-level, world-class drag entertainers, and they've been off our screen for a while.
0: Like, there were so many... It just reminded me of, like, so much of what I wanted from Winners at War, what I want from returning seasons, where, for example, in Snatch Game, when Jinx is doing Judy Garland and references Dave, the veteran who... Like from seasons past, who was like a family member, whatever they or they brought in veterans to make over whatever it was that made a throwaway comment that like he killed Judy Garland and that like to bring that up in snatch game and have them then flash back to that like it's there was so many great flashbacks to drag race past,
1: and it's such like a gratifying deep cut because it was one that at the time is so memorable this man literally turns to RuPaul in the workroom and earnestly tells RuPaul that he thinks he killed Judy Garland and he's not being facetious and he's not doing it in front of the cameras he feels a certain way and he's talking to someone that he reveres in the same way um, that he did Judy and he's like I have to tell you like I might have killed one of your contemporaries <laughs> like it's just it's so good and the fact that Jinx referenced it
0: and it's to have Michelle's reaction to it which yep. is like so huge right. like i often wonder like i know rue has a, a bad memory for past seasons of drag race and we saw him forget jinx's name just at an event the other day and um to see michelle's reaction in that moment was like okay michelle like she knows she knows and right. and like we're we're getting as much enjoyment out of this as she is and we're getting to participate exactly. in this
1: it's like um She's like giving us permission to laugh even harder than mm-hmm. we were already laughing cuz it's like she's having such a good time. It's fun to see the judges having a good time. Ru was having such a good time. One other thing I want to say about it real quick was that lip sync between Shay and Monet was just out of this world. Yeah. In this in this era in which I think it's really hard to do a lip sync because of the expectations around what a lip sync is, what a lip sync is has become kind of limiting. I felt like just like, it, it was so, they were both so good. They both chose such different interpretations of the song. It was such a great song choice. And by the end of it, like a really good lip sync to me, you feel like you watch a movie. Like you get beginning, middle, end. You feel like it went places. And I just feel like that lip sync had it all. When they would divide the screen between each of them, I was like, I want to go back to the other one. No, I want to yeah. go back to the other one. It was like, <laughs> I just think that there are moments in this episode that worked that were some of the best of the best Drag Race and I am so excited for the rest of the season. I think my like bad attitude that I get about a new season of something I love <laughs> whether it be Housewives or Drag Race or Survivor, I think like this like it,
0: this put everything at ease for me. Yeah. And to the to the callbacks, like let's see more callbacks on Survivor. If if I ever show Please. up on your screen, you know that when I get voted out, I'm going to invoke the name of Helen Glover and say A2 Brute. Like, wouldn't it be so fun to have somebody like reference the deep cut from early Survivor because they love it so much and like and maybe it happens and it gets cut, I don't know, but just like lean into it. It's fun.
1: Lean in. That is the the I think this is the lesson with all of this. This being survivor, drag race, life, lean in. Yeah. Okay. Well we coined that term. No one said it before. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's like a book. <laughs> I'm like what? Okay. Wait, is it is it Brene Brown? Is did she? Someone like has Lean In as like a hold on. Uh, you here? You
0: are you telling me Brene Brown coined the term Lean In?
1: Well, their Lean In book. It's okay. Sorry, no, she did not. It's by Cheryl Sandberg. Okay. Yeah, Cheryl Sandberg is uh, the the co author of Lean In,
0: Women, Work, and the Will to Lead. You're telling lean me in. that this person invented the phrase lean in.
1: It's kind of like how um, sex in the city invented the phrase. He's really not that into you, but it's like, it's not like no one coined that term, but it's right. like attributed to her. Do
0: you want to hear my to favorite? Because the you co-author want to hear my is favorite, Scovel. My favorite uh, party party trivia.
1: <laughs> Please.
0: Do you know who coined the term friend with benefits? Justin Timberlake alanis morissette in head over feet.
1: wow oh i should have known if you're gonna pull out that party can you
0: believe that friend with benefits it doesn't exist before alanis morissette's head over feet wow yeah that's actually a really fun fact yeah like altie invented gay culture okay we gotta wrap this up i'm getting a wisdom tooth removed in 15 minutes so (laughs) pray for me okay i love uh,
1: how the one day like we could not go long as the day we choose to go extra long,
0: extra long because we just
1: did a 15 minute drag race recap
0: we did we did okay well everybody get out your pens and <laughs> pencils and start your letter writing campaign i can't even remember what we were writing about but i'm sure it's gonna be great <laughs> and make sure that you're subscribed to us we have a finale next week it's gonna be a big recap excited to see what happens evan very quickly p- uh, prediction who's the winner Marianne. Yeah it's gotta be Marianne. Marianne who was my winner pick in episode one Uh, I wasn't sure if it was like a revised winner pick or whatever so I went back to our episode one recap. I listened if Marianne wins I just want to put it out there I did not look up spoilers (laughs) (laughs) I have only picked a successful winner once in the past ever and that was Denise Uh, so if I get a second one I'm going to be very 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 Mm. thrilled about that so okay, Denise a woman who
1: took a dip at Mother Lake
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then she got out She got out. Oh my god! She's out of Mother Lake. She's out. She's out. Okay, she's on Father Mountain. I don't know what she's on, but it's not Mother Lake. Whatever she's on. Okay. Oh my
1: god.
0: Okay, we have to go. Okay, Okay, we also have. uh, We've we've picked. We've picked our winner that we're going to interview from an early Mm. season. And I'm not going to announce who it is, but it is a fucking icon. So you are not going to want to miss that. Subscribe to this. We'll be back next week with our finale recap. Bye. Bye.